I'm David S. Dawson from the Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 258 of Better Podcasting. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we talk about a new announced tech that's hit the podcasting scene. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we discuss some fun audience feedback, including some fun listener award requests. Lauren, start the show now. You deserve an award, Lauren. You do. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to an all-new episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen, and with me, of course, is the fantastic SP. Oh, thank you very much. And oh, by the way, you're welcome at the beginning there. Mm. It sounded kind of like a whistle at the start, and then you went into your normal stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm just doing some on-air co-host, you know, friendly nudges back and <laughs> forth about, about your enunciation of the first word that you say for our podcast. Perfect, perfect. Uh, while we're talking, quote, on air, if that's the term we're going to use. Uh, let, let me give an update here about my uh, Elgato stream arm. I, I want to mention something here because we've had a little bit of a chat offline and in our Discord server since I got that Elgato stream arm. And I, I want to highlight something that I think is really important because when we streamed our show out there and we had people see it, we had a lot of people comment, well, you know what they say, if you put if you put the microphone lower, you're going to sound more nasally. Well, he here's the thing. I've always thought that I sound a little nasally. Plus, you know, I have allergies and all these things. So I, I haven't actually noticed a difference with that. But I did want to highlight that this is a valid consideration when you are thinking about the placement of your microphone. And that might include what you're choosing and the placement of your your said holding apparatus of the device, whether it's a mic arm or a boom arm or a scissor arm or a boom arm or any of these things, because it does affect the sound. And I will say it has affected my sound. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. I turned down a little bit the LF on my DBX 286. That's the boost on the low frequency because I felt like it was too boomy. And that was the impact I got. Now, is that because the microphone's a little closer to me? Is that because I talk a little differently with it now? But I wanted to bring it up at the start of the show because people brought up the idea about changing my mic could change my sound. And it's true. It did change the sound. So I wanted to mention that right now. You mean changing your mic placement could change the sound? Yes, correct. Sorry, yeah. mic placement. You're, I was meaning the placement of the mic. It was in parentheses. I would love to hear you on the Audio-Technica BP-40 in that new placement and see mm. what that sounds like as well. I know it's been a while since you've used it. I know that you really do enjoy that microphone, but you've gone to this one because 
it's a more pleasing sound in your voice overall for most listeners. But I think that the BP40 might stand a chance in this new configuration. This is the Better Podcasting Download. All right, we're going to bridge segments today. There is something we wanted to expand on that one of our wonderful listeners brought to our attention in the Discord server because we did have Randy Walker let us know that there is a new piece of tech that might be turning some heads. And this is the Tascam MixCast 4. Now, what is the MixCast 4? Well... Let's say it's got the word cast in it. And you know what else has the word cast in it? Podcast. But you know what else has the word cast in it? The Rodecaster Pro. Because that's, if you look at this thing, it, it looks like it's um not stealing, uh, p- paying homage, paying homage to the Rodecaster mm. Pro when you look at it. And I think we should start by running down some of the features of said device that Tascam has come out with. So SP, why don't you explain a little bit about these? Before I get into the specifications, just in general, what it is, is audio interface mixer recorder, just like the Rodecaster Pro, has a lot of the similar fit form. It is a different shape and size, but basically that's what you're getting. This is Tascam's version of the Rodecaster Pro. What it has on the back are four XLR quarter inch combo jacks. This is what is different between the Rodecaster Pro and the Tascam is it has the combo jacks. It has a USB channel going back and forth. It also has a selectable TRRS or inline channel. It has 14 channel multi-track recording, very similar to all the multi-track devices that are out there. It has uh, basically a 14 slash two USB audio interface and the channels going back and forth to a computer. It does have the four microphone inputs on the back. That's the combo jacks, the XLR quarter inch combo jacks, but it also has four individual headphone outputs, which are also on the back. Now we'll talk about placements of the jacks in the future here, but it is all on the back so far. It has a five inch color touch screen, which is very similar to the Rodecaster Pro. I want to say it's a little bit bigger, but it definitely functions about the same way. It has eight customizable sound pads, which is the same that the Rodecaster Pro has. It has real-time sound effects such as voice transformation and reverb. I don't know if it has the full suite of effects per channel that the Rodecaster Pro does. It does have a Bluetooth channel, and this is important because it might have a better Bluetooth channel than the Rodecaster Pro does. Apparently that had a lot of issues with it. And you can automatically adjust optimal levels, which with the Rodecaster Pro, that was an issue earlier on in the firmware. And depending on the firmware upgrade that you've gone to, it could be an issue with the Rodecaster Pro. It also includes Tascam podcast editor software. I want to talk about this in the future as well, because I have a concern about this. But Stephen, what did you like about the specifications? Are you happy with them? So I I do have to say, like on the surface, when you look at it, it seems to me very clear that they looked at the Rodecaster Pro and they made changes to maybe deal with some of the negative 
thoughts that were coming out of it, just because there is so much visual similarity between it and the Roadcaster Pro. But a good example of the changes is the combo jacks that you mentioned. On the Roadcaster Pro, it has four XLR jacks. The Tascam has combo jacks, meaning that you can put a uh, TRS cable into it. This is huge for people who are wanting to put in more than microphones or more than just gear that has an XLR signal coming from it. Usually that means people are having to use an adapter. I have currently, with my setup, I have a sound card going from my computer, analog, into channel four of my Rodecaster Pro using a massive adapter that I needed in order to achieve that. So I think that that's a good example. I think it looks more real, reasonably sized. Now, I can't say for sure on the size, but when, like, I haven't looked apples to apples what the actual dimensions are, but when you look at the Rodecaster Pro versus the Tascam, things seem like there's less space on the Tascam version. The, the Rodecaster Pro, there's a lot of weird blank space this looks like they're utilizing it better than the Roadcaster Pro. As well, I do like the fact that they've gone and they've recognized that not everybody's going to have a use for these phone things. Not everybody's sitting there trying to do a call-in show on their podcast. And so they've made it so that the analog connection, the TRRS connection, that you can plug a phone in using a cable can switch over to just regular left and right TS connections. That's quarter-inch TS connections. Fantastic. I think that that is good because that does open it up for people who might want four mics and another analog source. They don't need to go and get an adapter. I have used an adapter to adapt that TRRS to, to bring in another signal. I've tried that. It's not the best because you're going from a very fine wire to a big wire. You're going to have some loss when you're shrinking the gauge of your wires. It's just basic elect uh, electronics here. It's just how it works and when you're looking at an analog connection. And it's been fine, but this is just another thing that you can get rid of an adapter. The other thing that I want to say is that I think that they've clearly seen that people might want to travel with sort of these things because off the bat, they are making available to purchase a carrying bag. You might have seen a carrying bag with all the early reviews of the people who allegedly were possibly lent permanently Roadcaster Pros to be able to review them. Those carrying bags were never made available for the public. But there's a lot of people who go, this, this is a good form factor for me to pack up and take on the road and, and do whatever. So I think that that shows as well that they are looking for the customer's use and wanting to make sure that there is something available. I do have some questions, though, on this, which comes down to that digital streaming aspect of it, which is whether you can pull in the multi-track via USB. And also the stereo. This is huge for the Roadcaster Pro, and it's something that they implemented along the way for the Roadcaster Pro, which is where you can take all of the individual channels into your computer. Say you want to record a backup using software and get all of the tracks individual. 
or do something else with it. You can do that while at the same time getting a stereo mix down for, say, if you're connecting via USB through uh, an online platform like Video Ninja or Skype or something like that. It's huge for streamers. And I couldn't find whether that is possible or not. And I hope that it is because I know that that was a real game changer for people and made the Rodecaster Pro really available for some people. Also, it does appear, according to the specs, it's using Polywave. I'd like to know how they're implementing the Polywave because one of the things that I found with the Polywave files, which if you're not familiar with this, Polywave files is where you end up having multiple tracks all in one wave file. And this is the way that the Roadcaster Pro decided to do it. If you've looked at things like the Zoom recorders that we've mentioned before, they usually give one wave file per track on the card. And so what happens is there is a file limitation size on there. So if you are, say, doing a podcast like ours, where it runs for about an hour, when you are using Polywave, you end up reaching the end of that limitation. So it has to cut the file off. And the way Rode deals with this is if you want to go and stitch all of those files together into individual track files, you use their software and you hit export and then you wait for like half hour, 40 minutes. That's eh, more like half hour. And it goes and it individually um, saves those tracks. I'd like to know what the task cam solution is for the Polywave because this is something they're offering that editor you mentioned. And do they have a solution for those of us that don't want to use the editor and want to be able to get those stitched together individual tracks? And this is helpful because I would like a file that I take into my editor for my track. I would like one that I have for SP's track. So I think that that's a question that I'd like to see answered on what their solution is for those polywaves, because I'm guessing they're also going to get split by file size. So I went to their YouTube channel and watched, I believe, the four videos that are out as we're recording this on the 31st of August 2021 about the mixed cast four. And the first question I had after doing that, the biggest question I had was, can I export the recorded files individually, the tracks individually? I don't care how. Can I do it? Because in the video, what they showed, which they're very short videos, not incredibly descriptive, by the way. So in the video, it shows using their editor and then exporting a simple wave file, not a poly wave file, not a multi-track wave file, just a normal wave file. So I have concerns over whether or not that this machine, as it stands right now on launch, can handle getting the separate tracks out, which I would want the separate tracks out as well and would be a deal breaker for me going forward. So that is why I wanted to discuss this. I, I don't, they didn't show anything with the editor other than screenshots. So I don't know if I can recommend it or not. It looked like it was easy to use, but I don't know if it had all the options that I would want as a podcast producer in there that have used effects on each tracks and, and uh, just done different things with exporting and stuff like that. So, okay. Anyway, that was my first one. The other thing that I noticed right away was they have great use of color on the board. So each track is labeled with a number or a device or a function or whatever that's on the board itself. One, two, three, four for the XLR combo inputs. You have the USB 
input from the computer. You have the TRRS input labeled. You have a Bluetooth label. And then I think you have a master track as well. So those are the things that are labeled on the board. And each are not only numbered or they have a picture of the device or function on it, but they're color coded, which is great. And then if you match up the tracks to the four headphone out jacks, they're color coded to be the same color. So number one is green in the screenshot that I'm looking at. The track, the, the first uh, XLR input is one and it's green. And then the first headphone input is also green. Now move ahead and then you go into the touch screen. And if you go into any effects for channel one, then it will be the same color. So it's all color coded on the board, which I think it's pretty, it's a pretty neat sort of thing that uh, for those that are OCD trying to label who's recording on which channel, and I think it, it's pretty neat and pretty good. As far as I could tell, it doesn't have any battery power. There wasn't any battery specs that I saw, and there might be, I don't know, but it's not battery powered. I don't know if you can use it with a power brick through USB input or not. I would assume you could, but I just don't know. So I'm not going to say one way or the other there. The other thing that I want to state that might be different from the Rodecaster Pro here is all of the jacks save one are on the rear. So all of the XLR combo jacks, all of the headphone out jacks, and all of the other miscellaneous inputs and outputs save one are on the back. The only difference is there appears to be a TRRS jack that is on the front of the machine as well. Now you might say, okay, if you're using this in standard configuration, that's no big deal. To that I say, no, 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 no. If you happen to have headphones that you have to get out to your three other people that are sitting around the table with you and your Tascam Mixcast 4 is backed up into a corner of the table, say you're in a hotel room or whatever, and you're just trying to get it out of the way and push it against the wall, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to mess around with those headphone jacks. So just keep that in mind that it's a limitation depending on how you actually use it. As all the jacks are on the back, the uh, left and right out, the line in, the TRS jack, the power cable, the USB, and like I said, all the XLR combo jacks all on the back. Now, Steven mentioned that it is pretty neat to have the combo jack. I agree with that, especially since I use a DBX286S that outputs to a quarter inch jack out. So that is good for me to put into one of these. Now, Roadcaster Pro would say that you don't need the DBX286S because all the effects can be done on board, like a noise gate or something like that. So there's a bit of a I'm paying $599, which I'll get to later. I'm paying $599 for this. Why do I need an extra set of gear for each individual track that I'm recording to raise it another $200 per track, which is total $800? So why do I need that with the Roadcaster Pro? I don't need that. So just keep that in mind. I like the overall improvements over the Roadcaster. I like this fit form. I like the fact that another company has basically come out with something that's very similar to the Roadcaster Pro. I've mentioned on this show many times before that I am in the market to upgrade my studio and I was looking for the next company to come down the pike with a fit function of the Roadcaster Pro, but with differences that I could uh, agree to. One of the things was the combo jack. I wanted the combo jack. However, there's only four of them. 
So that's a detractor that I have right away. But before I get there, will I dive headfirst into getting one of these just to test out? Well, first of all, it's $599. So I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a chunk of change to do it. The other hesitation that I have is task one of Tascam's previous forays into this was the ill-fated US 32 Mini Studio. I say ill-fated because you can go online on YouTube and listen to some podcasts out there that have actually reviewed this US 32 Mini Studio. There were a ton of issues with this thing, especially when it first came out with drivers and functionality. And because of that, I'm a little gun shy about this, about this Tascam Mixcast 4. Is it based on anything real with the Mixcast? No, not yet, because I haven't heard any reviews. I haven't seen it out in the wild. I haven't gotten my hands on it. But I do have experience with the US 32 Mini Studio, and it wasn't really good when it the reviews came out. So I'm a little gun shy. I also have questions about the durability and you mentioned the fact that it comes with a carrying case. So you're taking this on the road with you possibly, and you're taking it, uh, to different places to record with other people. Say, say you're uh, doing a, a role play D and D, uh, sort of tabletop podcast, and you're going to your buddy's house and you bring this equipment with you because you're the one with the equipment. He's the one with the house and somebody else is the game master, right? So you're sitting around the table with a, another player and you have to bring this back and forth. If it's plastic-ish construction like the Roadcaster Pro, I do have concerns about long-term durability and longevity with this Mixcast 4. Again, it hasn't been out in the wild that long, so I can't say if it's truly capable of taking a little banging around. I mentioned $599 before. It's a little steep of a price tag for something like this. I would want to see something a little less than the Roadcaster Pro. However, I recognize we're in the middle of the pandemic and $599 actually might be a discounted price for the Mixcast 4. So, okay, it's just a lot of change, especially if you have four inputs that you're recording, you can use the Zoom PodTrack P4. So I mentioned that the introductory videos on the YouTube channel are a little light with the specifications. They're like one to three minutes long. They're not that long at all. They don't go into in-depth detail. They're more like showcase videos. So I don't know if they're going to do more in-depth videos on their YouTube channel to describe more in-depth what's going on with this, or if they're depending on reviewers to go into the who's it's and what's it's of it. Can it be powered through that USB? If it can be powered through the USB, then it's more of a legitimate portable recorder. And I say portable in quotes. So you're not going to be wearing it on your hip, obviously, but you're going to be able to take it into hotel rooms or into bars or, you know, wherever you want to into people's living rooms, wherever you want to record and don't have to worry about a power outlet right now. I think you do have to worry about a power outlet. So I don't know if it could be powered through USB or not. We'll look into that for the future. I, at this point, am still looking for more devices along this line. One of the things that I would like to see is a device like this that had somewhere between six and eight XLR inputs. I would prefer eight. I know the price is going to go up with every XLR or combo jack that you put into it, but I think that's really where it's going to hit the sweet spot with a lot of even hobbyists, because I just mentioned before that Gamelt gate the tabletop gaming people really want to use this. And 
there's a lot of tabletop gaming podcasts out there that have more than four people. They have like six to eight people or they have six people and they want to add a soundtrack to it or something like a live soundtrack or something like that. So yeah, I, I would think six to eight with the preference on eight mean really where I'd want to go with something like this. And I don't want to buy two of these. I don't, I don't want to have two $599 devices that I will have to buy and then mesh the files up later, even if you can do that. So I'm not sure also if Tascam is going to give out demo units like Wildfire, like Rode did with the Rodecaster Pro when it first came out. One of the reasons that the Rodecaster got as much traction as it did is they just gave away tons of demo units. No idea if Tascam is going to do that or not. And I don't know if that's going to affect the reviews on it or not. So those are my quick initial thoughts on this, Stephen. And we talked about it a little bit. And I am wondering how all this stacks up with other similar devices that are out on the market now, too. Well, that's a good question, because that's why we want to talk more about this today, because we've prepared a bit of notes here on some of the other things that we've talked about in passing that we think is similar to these devices. And, and we're sticking to where we think is similar to these devices. And again, things that we've mentioned on this show, because people are going to go, wait a minute, there's a lot more than those few, but we wanted to talk a little bit about them and expand. And let's start off with the, the staple of better podcasting for a while. It was the Zoom L8 and the Zoom L12 more specifically, because I don't know if you recall this or if you're a new listener, you might not know this. For a very long time, we were using the Zoom L12 as my main audio mixer, which we were doing lots of different multi-channels because Skype was not very nice and there was other things we had to do and, and it allowed us to do it. So the L12 was the go-to for a long time. And then the L8 came out and we gave that a bit of a spin. Well, the L8 and the L12, we're going to just go ahead and sort of summarize in one because they are pretty similar overall. There is a, a few more podcaster enhancements actually on the L8 versus the L12. So the L12 and the L8, the bottom line, we think you should think of them as more analog compared to the Rodecaster Pro and this new Tascam product. And, and the reason why we say that is because when you look at a lot of the features that are on them, there is not as much customization. Now, I'll expand on that in a bit because there is a real important digital aspect of it. But when you look at the, the features toe-to-toe, -to -toe, things like gain... Gain is just a one-knob adjustment on the two of them, as opposed to where you have a digital interaction with the Rodecaster Pro and the new Tascam product. You also have very limited customization within the menu that is on there. This is an important thing to note because the more physical hardware but or knobs that you have, the less likely it is for there to be customization down the road with firmware. This is why there's been such a big change with the original Rodecaster Pro product versus where it is now, because a lot of it was done through soft buttons and digital interaction. They could change things in the firmware. Additionally, I think it's worth noting that even if it was possible, our experience has been that Zoom has been far less reactive 
when it came to firmware updates than we've seen with things like the Rodecaster Pro. For example, the L12, we used that thing for a couple of years, I think. And one of the big issues we had right from the beginning was that when you went USB multi-track out of the L12 into your computer, if you were bringing in the multi-track, if you were using a stereo application, say something like OBS or XSplit, it would take tracks one and two, which was not the board mix down because traditionally you would want to take the mix and send it out to your stream. And it, the mix laid on channels 13 and 14. This was a long standing problem that we identified right off the bat. It was only last year that they rolled out a firmware fix for this solution. They were entirely able to do it. It just took them that long. And if you just look at sort of the history of Zoom firmware updates, there's not a lot in there. Now, on the flip side, the pros of the L8 versus the L12 is where you get to that portability aspect for the L8 and really the concept of getting crazy with your mixes with the L12. To expand on that, the L8 has a built-in battery compartment. There's no stretch of anyone's imagination that can say that that was not designed to be portable. That is, that is how it is powered, is by battery or through the USB connection. So that is the way that you power that device. And so it is definitely built to be portable. The L12 doesn't have as many podcaster features in it. For, for example, there is no soft buttons on the L12 for things like sound effects. There are on the L8, but the L12 has a whole bunch of customization when it comes to having individual mixers so that you can basically have one set of parameters for a mix going to the headphone amp one. You can have another mix going to two and three and four and so forth. And this allows you, if you want to get crazy with your mix minuses and have only certain inputs going out to certain sources. So that's kind of where the two really have their strengths compared to some of these other offerings out there, especially the L12. If you're looking to do mix minusing, the L12 is probably going to beat most of this, these other devices that are out there. As for recording spec, I think it's worth noting that there's 44.148 and 96 kilohertz options with 16 and 24-bit recording depth options on both of these. What's the next one we want to talk about here that's kind of in the same class that we've talked about? Yeah, there's another Zoom item out there, which I might mention later, but the one that we want to talk about has the fit form of the L8 and the L12. It's called the Zoom PodTrack P8. And the Zoom PodTrack P8 has nine pads for sound. It does have a 4.3 inch color display, so it's a little bit more like the Rodecaster Pro and Mixcast 4 there. It has six microphone XLR inputs. It has a TRRS input right there on the top of the board. It has what is known as two in and two out USB. So it's stereo in, stereo out. That's two tracks in, two tracks out. It has the battery capability built in just like the L8. So it definitely is portable. Now, some cons to this is that the channel six is a microphone or the USB input. This was kind of common with a lot of mixers previous to this mixer recorder generations thing coming out. Matter of fact, my board that I'm using right now, the Mackie 
Pro FX 16V2, 16V3 is out there right now, but the 16V2 had the 16th channel being either a input or the USB. So that is common for the, uh, the systems that were coming out at the time. It has no Bluetooth baked in. The PodTrack P8 has no Bluetooth baked in, but is an available via an adapter. Now, I had purchased a similar adapter for the other one that I was going to just briefly mention, which is the Zoom H8, and I have not really tested it. And the reason why I haven't tested it and the reason why we're not really talking about the Zoom H8 is it does have a podcast mode but it has no ability to stream out while you're recording. So you can't go back and forth to a computer or a mobile device and record at the same time. So that was a deal breaker for me. I own it. I bought it myself. It is sitting in storage ever since I used it last year, a year ago now, and I have not brought it out since because of that. Back to the PodTrack P8, it only has one recording mode, which I will say is a detriment and that is the 44.1 and 16-bit recording. I don't know why they didn't throw in the plethora of recording modes that are on the L8 or the L12 in there, but you can only get 44.8 16-bit recording for this. And as the amount that you pay for it, and with Zoom's demonstrated ability to record in different things, I don't know why they didn't do it. So it's, it's a bit of a head-scratcher to me why they didn't do it. So, Stephen... Our next one we're going to talk about is one that you have a lot of experience with. Matter of fact, I'm guessing that you're using it right now. I am. It is the Rode Procaster. We got to come back to it since we just talked about how this Tascam looks modeled after it. And we'll acknowledge that we've talked quite a bit about this and our experiences over the couple of years that we've had it around. And it launched with a bunch of shortcomings, but... In all fairness, they've done a lot of changes via firmware updates that has really made this a standout product that we can recommend to some people in some use cases for this. Heck, this is probably why Tascam is paying homage, again, I'll use that term, to the Roadcaster Pro because it has managed to continue to check boxes that gets more and more people interested in it. But let's highlight some of the shortcomings and some of the pros that are in this um, so that you can kind of get an idea where it stacks up when you're thinking about these different things. One, the XLR only. Yes, this is something we want to just say right away that the four channels on there are XLR, which is why you need to use an adapter if you're going to do something and that could cause gain problems and there could be some challenges there when it's expecting a different type of device. Also, the preamps are... A little noisy from our experience. It does seem like there is some extra hiss that is added in there if you're plugging directly in. It feels a little big for what it is. That's just due to the space of it. There's a lot of blank space on the board. Feels like it takes up a lot of space for the amount of board that's used. And I want to interject right here that I have seen them in person. I've used one a couple of times throughout my travels of other people. And I've actually seen the one that you're using right now, because in all fairness, I had it before you did. Yeah. <laughs> but it is big. It is larger than what I was expecting when you're taking into relation to the L12, the L8, the P8. But when you're comparing it to my huge Mackie Pro FX 16 V2 mixer, it's actually a little bit smaller. 
So for me, it would be a reduced footprint. Now I would lose channels with right. it, but I would I would definitely have a smaller footprint because I wouldn't need this rack of things that it sits on top of two DBX uh, 286s and then the uh, compressor that I have as well. The other thing that I wanted to interject here is the preamps being noisy. It wouldn't be that big of a deal if you had the ability to do a combo jack. If you mm. were able to do a combo jack, then you could have used like a FET head or something that was an inline amp that would increase the amount of gain before you even reach the board. Or you can use a DBX-286S. And I realize what they're trying to do here is minimize the profile of it and make it portable but at the same time if your preamps aren't going to be good enough to really do studio level microphones and really drive them for a quiet voice out in the field then you should probably look at being able to enable some sort of a microphone gain through like a fet head or some other gain enhancement the other thing that i will say that aside from the USB and the phone capabilities, there is no mix minus capabilities without being creative. Now, I have been creative on, on the Rodecaster Pro to do a little extra mix minusing, but the bottom line is it's not meant that way. As for recording, you're looking at 48 kilohertz and 24-bit recording only, I believe. I, I have not come across a way to customize that, so it looks like it's just like record at full speed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> also, there's no battery capability built in. But again, Rode has proven that they've been trying to listen to their audience because they it, they did make a solution where you can get a USB to power adapter. This actually goes into where the power adapter is meant to go into. And then on the other side is USB. They put a firmware update in there for all of this. And then the intention of that is you plug that cable into a battery bank. You know, any one of those battery banks that you can get and then it will allow you to take it. Take the road on the road. Let's go back to the recording bit rate, you know, the 48 kilohertz and the 24-bit recording only. Now, on the large part for video, that should be good, but I think you might have a problem if you're trying to mesh, max it up, mesh it up with uh, some audio files that are in 44.1, depending on what DAW you're using to finally edit everything could be an issue. Have you ever experienced that with the files coming off of this? Well, I will say that my track, since I've started using the Rodecaster Pro, consistently has to be stretched a lot more than everybody else. I will <laughs> say that. Um, the other thing is I know when you're doing that little polywave rebuilding, there are some options in there on how you export. I don't know if there's an option to change the bit rate. I know you can change like the wave to an mp3 there might possibly be an option in there to to change it down to 44.1 but i i don't know for sure because i don't do it i just go and i export it the way that it is at the, by default so okay. uh i just want to mention that in case someone's yelling at their ipod classic right now yeah thanks that you know that would be me since <laughs> i do have an ipad ipod classic that i was actually uh porting off to work today so some highlights worth mentioning, it has Aphex processing in it. This is that big processing that Aphex can put into a tube processor. Now, while we've never heard anyone it sounds good on necessarily, there must be somebody out there somewhere. So, hey, it's worth mentioning that it has it. 
the big boom bass is just a little bit too much for me. I mean, if you're in an FM radio station, maybe, but why would you be using the Rode Procaster in an FM station? I don't know. Uh, they have done a great job of so- showing support to refine it within software and the firmware. When it launched, it didn't even have the full multi-tracking capability it does now. I know this was a concern, and it was a big concern for us on Better Podcasting. Everybody else glanced over it, and one of the reasons why we pontificated that people glanced over it is because they got it for free as a demo unit from Rode, as I mentioned before. But in Rode's defense, they did eventually upgrade the firmware, not once and twice, but many times so far. And they've done a pretty good job of bringing it into the capability that it is today. So I, as Stephen, as you mentioned before, they, they have done a good job of that. There are some baked in microphone profiles for setting some of the processing. I have not used them myself. Stephen, you have though. Yeah. So when you go in and you're configuring the base settings for the microphones, uh, there's actually buttons right there where it'll say if you're using a Rode pod mic, use that. Pro, a Rode Procaster, use that, a Rode Broadcaster, Rode NTS, or they recently added the Electrovoice RE20. And essentially what this is doing is these are creating um, some, setting those that processing in there a certain way that they feel is best for these microphones. Uh, there is, of course, just a generic dynamic and a generic condenser option as well. So th- those are sort of the products that we would say are in these general range that we've talked about on the show. Every now and then on our Discord server, someone will come and put another link to something else. We haven't mentioned all of them in passing because some of them we've had questions, some of them have had shortcomings that we've just thought, well, why would you get that over like the Roadcaster Pro? So these are the ones we've mentioned and the ones we wanted to highlight today because, hey, we know a lot of people are looking to create a more advanced setup in a condensed manner like these new products are offering. And we hope that this helps you compare and contrast, at least sends you down the right rabbit hole on the YouTube video rabbit hole. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. All right, the Twitter sphere was quite busy this past week at BetterPod on Twitter. And there was a tweet from the wonderful SP that asked this question. What are some unique and or funny podcast awards you'd like to see included in future podcast awards programs? We got some pretty funny responses. The first one was from at Steph Fuscio. She said, best obnoxiously colored podcast logo. I like loud colors in logos. And thanks at Stargate Pioneer for the shout out in the recent live episode during the podcast movement statement. You're welcome, Steph. John S. Badger, who is at John S. Badger on Twitter, said largest faux pas. And faux pas is the French spelling F-A-U-X-P-A-S. I just know I, I speak French, by the way. I don't know if you knew that or not. Je parle français. As our resident Canadian, we would expect you to. Right. So at Mimi Deerforia, that's M-I-M-I-D-E-A-F, or not F, P-H-O-R-I-A, said, 
Worst interview published anyway, because you have to put something out this week and it's all you have. There's a little sarcastic moment there. I, I actually really liked that and enjoyed that response. At Play Comics cast said, least likely to fix a thing that a host continuously says will be fixed. And Stephen, I have to call you out here. That is definitely <laughs> the copyright on the Gonna Geek Show at the end of the Gonna Geek Show, which is copyright 2020 still. And you say you're going to fix it for 2021 and you have not yet. And it's August. Okay. There's a whole uh, so, there's a whole technical reason behind that and having to spend money to properly fix it. Ask me in our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord if you're interested in that story. But if that award was going to be given out, you'd be in the running for it. Just want to point that out. I appreciate it. At Hocus Blocus said, filmiest attempt to link a completely unrelated tangent back to the main topic. So basically a bad segue, I think, is what's saying here. And, and we're full of bad segues. If you've ever listened to the Guinea Geek Show or here from time to time, we have bad segues here. So flimsiest attempt to link a completely unrelated tangent back to the main topic. At the Chris Garland said biggest volume contrast between intro and content. Yes, that's <laughs> one. But also, I would like to add biggest volume contrast between ad and content. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, we could even do biggest volume contrast between hosts as well, because that, oh, that yeah. happens a lot, too. Right. At Bloody Beaver Pod said, best podcast on Old West history hosted by the people named Josh. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> sure, interesting. I mean, interesting. Yeah, sounds like a similar award that was given on the GettaGeek.com award show a few years back. And at Podcast A, which is the podcast audio podcast, which I guest hosted uh, a while back earlier on this year, said most horrible sound quality awards. One, most echo. Two, quietest co-host. Guest three, using the microphone incorrectly award. Uh, so I just screwed that up, by the way. So it's quietest co-host slash guest. And then three, using the microphone incorrectly award. I could get an award there for the most improperly read award. So anyway, I like that. Yeah. Uh, most echo, quietest co-host slash guest and using the microphone incorrectly award. I think that mostly goes to, I would say, condenser microphones that are end fire versus side fire or whatever. But Steven, for those that are on the audio podcast, is doing a great impression himself because he's speaking into the XLR cord that he just took out of his Rode Procaster, Rodecaster Pro. Rode Procaster. And then at BetterPod tweeted uh, just a few days ago, a bad day of podcasting is better than a good day at work. Evil Zombie replied, yep, you can't argue against that. And at K2 Shows in San Diego said, unless it's a fight where one of you is sleeping on the couch. So, uh, yeah, that podcast is by a married couple, by the way. So unless it's a fight where one of you is sleeping on the couch. Yes. No, so, no, no. Yeah. I, I think you're misunderstanding the tweet. I think this is about a fight, a bad podcast. So like you and I had a fight and now one of us has to sleep on the couch. I think it's not to do with with. Yeah, a bad day. I think it's just about a bad podcast because when you and I fight, one of us sleeps on the couch, right? Yeah, but it's just because <laughs> one of us usually is uh, in inebriated at the time. <laughs> anyway, that's not true. That's totally not true. 
<laughs> okay, so then we ran a poll over on Twitter and said, did you know Better Pod is on a one-week recording hiatus due to some little rare known Canadian anti-work last week of August labor clause affecting Stephen Jondry? In the meantime, what should Stargate Pioneer do tonight in lieu of recording? There was four options given. A, edit Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., B, renegotiate his contract, which I actually was rooting for because I need to renegotiate my contract here on Better (laughs) Podcasting. Uh, C, or three, I forget which we're doing, play with Puffy Cooper, and then four, clean his microphone. And the results came in. There was a lot of people that voted. And the results came in uh, in fourth place, edit Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., so apparently not too many cross (laughs) (laughs) listeners between Better Pod and Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then tying for second and third is renegotiate his contract and clean his microphone. And coming in with almost half the vote was play with Puppy Cooper, which is actually what happened that night. I think that you should have played with Puppy Cooper by doing a podcast with Puppy Cooper about renegotiating your contract so that you have more time to edit Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And of course, since the puppy is around the microphone, therefore you would have to clean it. You could have done all of them. In truth, I did clean my microphone because <laughs> I thought, when's the last time I did clean this? So yeah, I did clean it. But thank you everybody for your concern and about me just having a week off and being able to play with the puppy. I did play with the puppy. The puppy needed to be played with that night. So he was great. And I posted a picture on Twitter. So if you want to see Puppy Cooper, go to that tweet that we just talked about. And then I replied with the Puppy Cooper picture. Also, we had Damien the DM say there's a new headphone amp available. Zoom, yes, has made a new headphone amp. It's called the ZHA4. I will say it seems a little pricey compared to some of the other ones, but it looks like maybe a little less mechanical, so to speak. But check that out if you want to look in that. The ZHA4 is available by Zoom. And or then the ZHA4 for those in America. That's true. That too. Okay. <laughs> and lastly, we had Randy Walker point out that the Zoom Pod Track P4 is apparently up $20 now on its price. Now, there's a bit of a discussion in there. I have to say, I think $20 increase over the pandemic, like compared to some of the other electronics, that's not bad. Uh, it sucks that it's gone up for sure, you know, especially if someone's been, say, saving up for something. That's always disappointing when something goes up, but there has been some some tech and things that use technology that have really gone up. So hopefully it'll stay only at 20. Fingers crossed. Yeah, for example, hard drives like the the spinning, disk spinning hard drives. If you have a large storage drive, those did not go down. Those did not say the same price. They went up. So if you're looking at storing a lot of data on your computer you're going to be paying more. As for the Podtrack before 20 bucks, it's 10% of the value of it. I didn't think that was bad. I mean, I don't like to see it, but it's not bad. It's still affordable. I know $20 is a lot to some people, but it's still affordable if you're going to spend the 200 bucks on it anyway. So if you have something you want to talk with us, you can come to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We'd love to have you over there. Uh, One note here before we do wrap things up, uh, keep your ears out on the next episode of this show, the Better Podcasting Main Show, because we're going to have a bit of an announcement on that one there. If you want to check that out, that will be in two weeks time on this feed. In the meantime, though, while you're waiting for that, 
You can listen to us on the Better Podcasting live chat. We're going to have an episode of that over on the live chat feed. And hey, speaking of P4s, maybe maybe we'll have one tested out during the live chat. We'll see. We'll see for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I won't be in the studio, so either it'll be the P4 or it'll be direct USB. So we'll see which one wins. NSP, I know you had something you wanted to plug before we wrapped it up here. Yeah, Jason over on the Smoking and Drinking in Space podcast had me over there, and I was glad to step in and be a guest host. We reviewed the 2011 Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried movie, In Time. And it's kind of a sci-fi thing, or if you just like Justin Timberlake. Justin is Canadian, right, Stephen? No. He's Canadian? No, he's not. It's not, I wish he was Canadian, because then I can disavow him. Anyway, so we reviewed that, and it is a very unique review, because I did a search. Now, my podcast search foo might not be that great, but I did search for other podcasts that had reviewed that. I'm sure they're out there. I could not find them. So this could be a unique gem in all of podcasting, one of the few shows to actually review the movie in time. So you can catch that out over there. And if you haven't heard me over on Josh Liston's new show about podcasting, he did a a great example of cutting me up of the interview that we did into a lot of small micro podcasts. So you can catch that over on uh, Josh Liston's podcast. It was pretty fun talking to him. So for episode 258 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying contrary to what SP thinks, Memphis, Tennessee is not located in Canada. And uh, I guess I need a geography lesson. So we'll do that and you'll see everybody in two weeks. Bye. That's where Timberlake was born, apparently. Bye. (laughs) I wish it was Canada. (laughs) Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, Please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.